I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 32 through verse 39. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, everyone's looking for you. He replied, let's head in the other direction to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we are going to continue our sermon series called Reset, where we're looking how we can reset our lives to walk closer with God. And last week we looked at how we can reset our souls by recommitting ourselves to the life of faith that we have chosen to pursue as followers of Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want us to begin by thinking about how we might reset our purpose And to reset our purpose, we have to understand how God is at work, and we have to understand how we might center ourselves in Him to be part of something that is far greater than anything that you or I can accomplish on our own. So as I was thinking about this past week, I read an example of purpose that uses a baseball metaphor. For those of you that baseball is not your thing, I apologize, but I thought it would be helpful in looking at uh, how we can rediscover our purpose as Christians and in the way that we look and we see from our scripture this morning that we are able to see how Jesus also kept himself connected to his purpose. And so our our person that we're looking at, it's from something that happened last summer on June 8th, 2021, and this is not certainly the first time that this has happened, and without sounding awful about this baseball player, if you go and Google his name in a minute, he's supposed to be one of the like up-and-coming stars, like you can read all sorts of stuff, but um, the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing, uh, this, this, the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, rookie player, Cabrian Hayes, who's up on the screen, hit a home run over the left field wall. After he rounded the bases, he was called out after everyone thought he had scored the home run. It turns out after reviewing the play, the Dodgers went and looked. They threw the ball to the first base, realizing that he had not touched first base as he rounded the base path. So instead of his home run counting, it counted as an out, didn't it? It didn't matter that he touched second base. It didn't matter that he got to third base. It didn't matter that he touched home. It didn't matter that the ball had gone over the fence. What mattered is his foot did not touch first base. And so he was called out. Now, I think this is a helpful comparison, or it's a helpful helpful way for us to get to thinking about the Christian life. And the way that you and I are able to choose to stay close to Jesus as we go throughout our life and as we choose to live a life of faith. And here's where I think the comparison is. See, first base is us choosing to stay close to Jesus. We can't know God's purpose if we're not first connected with who Jesus is and how Jesus has died for us and what God has offered us through his son Jesus Christ, can we? We can't know what second brace is going to bring. We can't know what third base is going to bring 
if we don't know God's purpose for our life. And so if we're unwilling to stay close to Jesus, I think the comparison is like us missing first base altogether. Meaning we can do everything that looks right. We can do everything that feels right. We can look the part. We can do whatever we're doing. But if we don't choose Jesus and choose to stay close to him first, then we miss first base. And there's the potential then that everything else that we do ends up being for us and not necessarily for him. See, friends, if you think about it, it's easy for us to miss first base if we're not paying attention, isn't it? I mean, just like, um, you know, uh, Brian Hayes, just like when, when he was rounding the base path, I mean, he's a rookie. He hit a home run in a Major League Baseball game. I'm sure he was excited, right? And I'm sure as he rounded the base path, he slapped hands with the first base coach, and on he went around the bases, and no one realized that he hadn't touched the base because it was easy for him to get distracted because he was so excited for what had happened. And that's the same thing for us. It's really easy for us to get distracted. It's really easy for us to get so focused on the other aspects of our lives that are good, that are meaningful, that are fulfilling. But we can get so distracted on them that we stop focusing and centering ourselves on Jesus. And so think of the things that you do in a typical day. Think of the travel that you do. Think of the errands or appointments that you might have, of the work you do, whether it's um, or volunteering or, or the things around the house, the shopping, whatever it is. In just living a regular, everyday ordinary life it can be difficult for us to stay close to jesus can't it we can get distracted we can get distracted and when we do so we miss the base we lose sight of the main purpose either as we slowly drift away from god or quickly drawn from god it doesn't matter whether it happens fast or happens slow losing sight takes us away and we lose connection with his purpose for our lives and so that's what we're looking at in this morning's scripture from the Gospel of Mark. Because in Mark, it's a helpful passage to, to show us how important it was, even for Jesus, to spend time with God and to stay connected and focused with his purpose, wasn't it? And so in Mark's Gospel, Mark, um, you know, he doesn't spend a lot of time building the story if you go and read the Gospel of Mark. In fact, if you go read the Gospel of Mark, Mark jumps right in. Mark doesn't spend any time on, on the birth of Jesus. Mark doesn't spend any time on, on Mary and Joseph and their whole thing or the wise men or the shepherds or really anything. In fact, Mark doesn't even tell us about the childhood of Jesus. Mark jumps right in. And if you look in the opening verses of Mark chapter 1, Mark doesn't even begin with Jesus Christ, does he? Who does he begin with? He begins with John the Baptist. Because to Mark, in his gospel, all that other stuff, while important, is not necessary for us to understand who Jesus Christ is at the Son of God and in giving us and offering to us the gift of God's grace through, the through his crucifixion and resurrection. And so Mark begins with John the Baptist 
who's preaching, he's teaching, he's baptizing, crowds are gathering, they're coming, Jesus himself is baptized, and then Jesus calls the disciples, and then according to Mark's gospel, Jesus immediately goes to work. And so if you go and you look in Mark chapter 1, Jesus begins, he's called the disciples, he casts an impure spirit from a man in Capernaum, he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and then as news of what begins to happen, or what is happening, begins to spread, people begin grabbing their loved ones and going to see this guy named Jesus, so that he could heal them too. In Mark 1.28, it says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And so you, you can picture this, can't you? Jesus has healed this, this one person of an impure, impure spirit. He's healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law who was, who was ill and who was on her deathbed. And, and so people have begun to hear news is beginning to spread all around the region of the Galilee. The Capernaum is, is located on the northern portion of the Sea of Galilee. And so Mark writes that by after these healings, people began to come from all over. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. See, Mark's gospel is unique. His gospel is unique because to him, the ministry of Jesus and everything that you and I need to hear begins with this part right here, these verses after his baptism by John the Baptist. And so Mark tells the story rapidly, doesn't he? And it's my guess, it's my assumption, that Mark started his gospel in the same way that he witnessed Jesus' ministry starting off. See, I think Mark saw Jesus' ministry building steam and, and gaining momentum so quickly that he wrote his gospel in the same way. Because Jesus didn't have the leisure to try and build something, to try and, and get things together before he was ready to go out. He didn't have time to make a plan before he, he launched. He jumped into ministry. And that's exactly how Mark's gospel reads, doesn't it? And so I think we have to keep the speed in which Jesus' ministry begins in mind as we read this morning's scripture. Specifically in verse 35. In verse 35, it says, Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. So he's leapt into ministry. He's leapt into teaching. He's leapt into healing. He's gone from what I believe was a normal existence. I, don't think, I think there's a reason that we don't have any other account of what happened to Jesus in the time between, depending on the gospel you read, either his birth or he was 12, or then he was 30. There's nothing else, right? If you go read all four of the Gospels and line them up with each other, we have the birth narrative of Jesus, the birth story. We have him presented at the temple. We have, I forget which Gospel it is, when Jesus goes with his parents to, to the temple when he was about 12, and remember, they head back, and he stays there, and he engages in, in biblical discussion and studying the Torah with the, the rabbis in the temple. But that's it. Because his ministry started so fast, he leapt into all of these things. And I think part of the reason that, that we don't have anything else is because Jesus lived a normal existence in Nazareth. 
meaning he worked, meaning he probably was a carpenter, meaning he probably did, you know, the things that everyone else in those times were doing. And his ministry begins when he calls the disciples, when he's baptized, and when he begins to, to build that group and center his ministry in Capernaum in the home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. But then his news begins to spread. Jesus can't even rest, can he? Mark 1, 35 says, In the night, everyone, you know, at sunset, everyone began to bring their loved ones. You know, most of us are, are done working at sunset, or maybe you're not done with your other things you have to do, but you might be done with your, your regular 8 to 5 job or whatever your hours are, right? But see, people are bringing their loved ones to Jesus even in this time. They're bringing themselves, they're bringing their loved ones, they're bringing anyone that, they, they need, they, that needed healing to them. And Jesus needed to, be, to spend time alone. He needed to be in prayer. He needed to, to talk to God. He needed to listen to God. He very easily could have been, been caught up with all of the demands that had been placed on him. He was caught up in the number of people who were seeking him out because they were desperate, weren't they? These are individuals who have heard probably messages that, that there is no hope, that there's no possibility for healing. They're desperate. And so it might be easy for us to read this passage of Scripture and not see the urgency that Mark is presenting to us. I mean, we might look at it as, as making an appointment for a doctor and then the doctor's appointment is made. It might be tomorrow or it might be a little longer than tomorrow. You arrive on the correct day. You sit in the waiting room patiently or hopefully patiently. And then when it's our turn to go back, we go back. See, friends, these people are a little different. Something has happened, and they're making every phone call they need to try and get the doctor's appointment as fast as possible. Isn't that how this reads in Mark 1? Because that's how I'm reading it. Is, is they're coming? These aren't people calling and trying to make a regular appointment with the doctor. They're desperate. They're carrying their loved ones, whatever distance is required to get them to Jesus. These aren't folks who are lining up and, and waiting patiently to see the great physician. They're banging on the door at all hours of the night. And they're doing whatever they can to get Jesus to pay attention and to notice their loved ones so that they can get what they desire which is healing. They're willing to do whatever it took. If they were willing to, to bring these, these loved ones as far as they needed, well, then you know they're going to do whatever they needed to do once they got there to get their loved one whatever their loved one needed from Jesus, weren't they? And so Jesus gets up while everyone was asleep in order to be alone before the demands began to pile upon, upon him as the sun came up. He sought to be alone before the requests began. He was alone with his God. He was alone with our God because he knew that he had to remain connected with God and with his purpose. He had to touch first base, didn't he? And so in verse 36, we learn what happens when, when the disciples discover that Jesus is gone. Simon Peter and the disciples woke. They immediately start looking for Jesus. All right, so I think, A, they're genuinely worried that Jesus has left. Because I do think they, they saw in him, they recognized what God was doing and who he was. Maybe they didn't fully understand. I mean, they didn't fully understand after three years. I also think they're hunting for Jesus because they're looking at all these people who are showing up and they're thinking, well, they're going to ask us to heal them and there's no way I'm going to, you know, and so they doubted in themselves, right? 
And so they begin to, to hurriedly find Jesus. Or, or our scripture today says, they tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, everyone's looking for you. And what was Jesus' response? Okay, well, let's go in the other direction. We'll go to these other villages and do what we need to do there. All right, so Jesus is able to answer this way because he has remained connected with God, hasn't he? He sought to remain in tune with the reason that he came and to remain focused on the task that was before him. He's taken time to pray. He's taken time to be centered. And because he has done that, he is able to intentionally point his eyes toward the purpose that God has put before him. See, it would have been really easy for him to return to Capernaum, wouldn't it? He could have returned to Capernaum. He could have sat there and waited for people to continue to bring their loved ones to him. It would have required less risk. It would have required less energy. It would have required less investment on his part. But see, Jesus knew God's plan, didn't he? And that wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan for Jesus to sit in Capernaum to base his ministry out of that city on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and to have people bring their loved ones to him and him stay there and people come and get healed and then off they go. His plan was to take the gospel to, to all of Israel, wasn't it? And so he was able to focus on that. Saying, I need to go to these other villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. God gave him a purpose, and he was able to focus on that purpose and to trust that what he was doing was where God had wanted him to be. See, it ties in with our lives because God's given us a purpose in whatever season we're in in our lives. And see, the thing about God's purpose is it's not something that, that God calls us to do all at once, but he calls us to live our lives with response to his forgiveness with response to the gifts that he's given us and to do that with purpose and with grace. See, Jesus knew his purpose and because of that, he was able to say no or, or not yet to needs that I think everyone, Jesus himself would have said were good needs in Capernaum and only to, in order to go to other villages to preach because that is what God needed him to do. And see, the comparison for us is sometimes we can become so focused on the good needs that are in front of us, not to discount them, not to make them sound, you know, unnecessary. I mean, they can be good things, things that are filling, things that affect other people in a positive way, that change other people's lives, that, that help others to see the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can become so focused on those that we miss the purpose of where God is really calling us to be. And if we're not in tune with God's purpose for our life, if we're not in tune with, with what God wants us to do or where God wants us to be, then we might miss the boat on where he really wants us to go for an even greater thing for him. I mean, Jesus could have stayed in Capernaum, right? He could have stayed. He could have taught. People could have come. They could have gotten healed. Everything could have happened, but that wasn't who I, why God sent him. And because Jesus spent time in prayer, he was able to continually to reset himself according to his purpose. And in doing so, he took the gospel to these other towns. 
Friends, when we understand our purpose, it's easier for us to live according to God's purpose for our lives. When we understand our purpose and when we root who we are and how we live in response to God's grace and prayer, then we are rooted in the guidance that comes only from God, and it's easier for us to stay focused on what God has placed before us. And by staying focused, then we're able to do what God has for us to do. We're able to stay close to Jesus, and we're able to touch first base as we round the path, knowing that everything else that happens, if we're rooted with Jesus, will be accomplished according to God's plan for His, for his world, for our life, and for His glory. And we are able to live in response, in full response, to the gift of His grace.